Welcome to the show, Five Shot Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Welcome to another episode of Five Stripe Weekly, and welcome Mark back to the show. Uh, it's the holiday season. Hope you're having a great holiday season. But uh, yeah, how's it been going, man? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. My Christmas is uh, quiet, uh, staying low key in these um, scary times. So uh, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, no, you know, I was, uh, personally, I think, uh, fortunate, um, got a couple cool things, um, you gave me a cool thing, so. <laughs> uh, as did you, I appreciate you, man, he got, yeah. uh, Mark yeah. got me a, uh, an outcast themed, uh, hoodie that was, yeah. uh, perfect, so, love yeah. it, love it, but, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's nothing but love here, and uh, but yeah, definitely for me, uh, as you know, I was a little bit under the weather. Uh, I think everybody else, uh, you know, as well, uh, pretty much around town, around the world, uh, was probably a little bit under the weather. But uh, on the on the up, uh, recovering, and thankfully it was not too serious. But uh, yeah, let's get into the news from Atlanta United from this past week. And uh, yeah, first up is Ozzy Alonso, the former Seattle Sounders and Minnesota United player uh, who was pretty much like their captain, uh, Minnesota United. Uh, yeah, like pretty much uh, that's, you know, uh, in terms of uh, it's a one-year signing, uh you know, he's a guy that's won MLS Cup. He's won the uh, U.S. Open Cup a number of times as well. Of course, also lost uh, a U.S. Open Cup against us. But, uh, <laughs> you know, definitely a veteran and definitely someone that it seems like uh, not only, uh, you know, the front office was targeting for a while uh, in terms of for a veteran, but also... You know, a player that has played with Gonzalo Pineda, our head coach. Right. What do you think right. about, uh, you know, this move Ozzy Alonso brought in to LA United? You'd have to think uh, the familiarity with Pineda is definitely a key factor. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things. I think, uh, especially in the modern times, that you, you know, in terms of uh, club signing players, um, it is it does seem to be more of uh handled by a director or general manager or whatever but you still need the input of the coach and so uh it, it seems like this move of kind of uh it seems like the kind of move that everybody would sign off on basically i mean i think it makes sense in a lot of ways uh it's uh it kind of reminds you a lot of uh parker's joining in 2017 um you know um i i think yeah, I, I think at this point, I would say definitely I have a healthy respect for um, experienced players in MLS, um, especially at that position, especially uh, you often talk about uh, the spine of the team. And so I think having experience in the spine is uh, is key. And I mean, like the midfield, you know, for the last couple of seasons has been a little bit problematic for us. And so um, starting to address the depth from early on in the offseason is definitely not a bad idea. 
so yeah, um, obviously the big thing is how much does he have left in the tank, but um, you know, I mean, it seems like he's someone who takes care of himself. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's not a bad move. Yeah, thirty-six uh, year old defensive midfielder, and yeah, definitely someone that's going to bring experience to that defensive midfielder position. Uh, and so he can, you know, maybe mentor the likes of Santiago Sosa, Franco Ibarra, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, glean them some insight, uh, you know, uh, thing or two. But also, uh, you know, there's going to be a, a lot of uh, competitions, uh, you know, in the next year. In that sense, of course, right. no Champions League. But still, definitely, uh, you know, there's going to be those type of... Um, you know that fixture congestion that we're gonna really need to be able to navigate and uh having someone that's you know very very experienced uh and uh you know maybe isn't going to be like relied on to be uh you know logging a ton of minutes every single game yeah i think it'll be pretty beneficial so yeah i uh i co-sign that this is uh probably a good move uh we'll just see uh, how much he does have in the tank, like you were saying. Uh, hopefully, this goes more in the way of a Parker's and less of a Lisandro Lopez. And uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> definitely uh, it's you know hopefully the former. But uh, moving on from that, uh, there are some uh, yeah other slight moves. Uh, Dylan Castanera, a former LA United player, uh, now is back with the squad. Uh, he's back part of the setup as a backup goalkeeper. Uh, of course, Alec Can signed with FC Cincy, and uh, we uh, let go of Ben Lundgaard. And so, you know, maybe is he, you know, the uh, the actual backup backup, uh, or is he like the third string? We shall see. But uh, you know, he was let go by. Uh, let go by San Diego Loyal, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely, you know, something that's, I think when you look at it, he's not a guy that was uh, a backup goalkeeper at the MLS level. I'm not so sure that, uh, you know, even though we did draft this guy, I'm not sure so sure that this was like actually a planned move. This was probably maybe a little bit of a reactionary move in my eyes, Uh you know, almost immediately after Alec Can uh, signed away, you know, it's a, a guy that's uh, at least some familiarity with the club. The uh, the team probably you know brought somebody in that's uh, kind of really in a pinch, maybe. But um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it just really seems like they're getting a body in there. It really seems like uh, like you were saying. It, it actually. Because at first I was thinking like he's a he's being uh, brought in to replace Khan as the backup goalkeeper, um, but then you know there's uh, Rocco Strios Novo, you know, and Guzan is not getting any younger, and so you start to wonder when is you know is that transition going to happen and when is it going to happen, and so um, you know Castanera yeah could at times be a third string even you know so um, it's just a, yeah it was a whatever move to me I mean. Um, I think we uh, expressed how we felt about letting Khan go without getting anything back. And so, yeah, it's just a re- it really just seems like it's just to address that specific roster spot and not much else. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, Rockus Ruinovo, uh, it would be a thing where we have to re-sign him, uh, basically because he was on loan from Lanus uh, last season. So it would be also something that, I mean, it, it seems like, uh, you know, it's a player that we do like as well. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the large scheme of things, um, yeah, there may be another move, uh, in my opinion, right. before... Uh, you know, when we see Castanera making the 18s, uh, a lot of them. But uh, moving on from that, uh, George Bello was linked with uh, some uh, some chatter, at least uh, some inquiries were made on Bello, and uh, apparently Premier League side Watford uh, was one of those clubs. And uh, yeah, I mean, definitely very interesting. I mean... You know, uh, in terms of Bello, I mean, uh, would he deserve a move to a Premier League side? Uh, would he be able to start? I mean, he definitely has uh, been opening some eyes as he's, uh, you know, been part of the U.S. men's national team setup. And uh, at only, you know, that tender age, uh, he's someone that, uh, you know, could be making his move away from the club this offseason, uh, especially when we have... Andrew Gutman, uh, a guy who was, uh, you know, did pretty well for the New York Red Bulls, uh, that is that understudy pretty much, kind of as that failsafe in case we do actually sell Bellow. So, uh, yeah, what do you think? Uh, you know, Watford, is this a good move for him if uh, if it were? Yeah, um, sure. Because it's... Yeah, <laughs> the way... The way I view Watford, right, it's like they come up and they go right back down. Like, they're just not, like, they're a Premier League team, but they bounce up and down. Like, they're Championship Plus, you know what I mean? And so, I think, uh, actually, Championship level team is probably, I would, like, feel more confident about, if he were to move, if Bella were to move right now, I would feel more confident about him getting playing time at a championship setup. And I think the championship is a pretty solid league. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like it's you know it's, it's pretty it's pretty competitive. Usually by the end of the season, there's a good number of teams involved in the playoff race. Like, um, and then yeah, it kind of made me think of Anthony Robinson, who plays for Fulham, right? Who uh, we saw recently in the Premier League until they went right back down. And you know, I just it's just one of those things where. They, <sighs> like american players uh have definitely come a long way and even uh if bella would move from atlanta united to yes a premier league team um that would be uh that'd be pretty amazing like for a homegrown player to do that and others have already made that move uh but there's still i think a bit of a little bit of a ceiling um and so like we just have to be realistic about that so i mean honestly yeah it would be a good move for him because I, I think that um that's about where uh, that's like an appropriate level for him and maybe an appropriate step for him at this point in his career. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder if a Bundesliga club uh, would be maybe something appropriate where maybe the kind of threatening of, uh, you know, basically being relegated maybe isn't as strong as, you know, there is like... There are some uh, Bundesliga clubs that's definitely uh, you know are like stalwarts in uh, in that league, and they play the kids, they play Americans, um, right? 
you know, that that could be a good league for him. Also, you know, he's been linked with Galatasaray, uh, a Champions League club uh, most of the years. I mean, that would be like a really, really good level, I think, in a sense where uh, he would gain a lot of good experience. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's that'd be something that would be, uh, I think, uh, be more interesting than a club that just hops up and down where, yeah, it's pretty much like... Uh, DeAndre Yedlin at Newcastle, you know. Oh, that's a good shout. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that's not very stable, you know. But uh, no, no, no. Or I was just thinking, uh, Josh Sargent going from Bremen, who gets relegated, yeah. to Norwich, who's almost certainly going to get relegated. Like, yeah. you know, and, and and like he's just, I can understand why he would do that move. Um, that's but again, like that's the ceiling of his personal level, probably. Yeah. Like. You know, so um, not, and I don't mean that to categorize George Bello. You know, they're all different players, but right. at this, you know, it's just I, th- I think we definitely do need to be realistic. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, seeing him outside of the top five, I think uh, leagues would be interesting, or maybe even like a France, uh, uh, Belgium, um, yeah. Netherlands. You know. It, it, you know, I just wonder I about the stability after that. You know, it's like uh, probably not something that's. It's kind of like uh, and to maybe go on a tangent here, but it's like a Nicholas Anelka type of thing where it's like, yeah, you start off, uh, you know, at uh, a club and then you move after one year, and then you, you know, then afterwards you move after another year because maybe the club is too big, and then. Uh, after that, uh, year after year, uh, you're at a different club, and all of a sudden you're a journeyman. And uh, you know, it's not something that's, uh, you know, if I were a player, I'd probably want to look at the, uh, you know, the stability of that club to be able to see, uh, you know, what what's the long term, you know, type of uh, prospects here. But um, yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if he stays this off season. So. Uh, stay tuned to hear as uh, you know we'll have all those news uh, as it drops. But uh, moving on from that, Jurgen Dom he was in the news as Chivas apparently was uh, looking at him, and uh, according to our good pal Chris Smith of Ninety Men, uh, that move is not going to materialize. And uh, yeah, basically. Uh, Dom, he was being looked at, but apparently uh, the wages was just too high for Chivas. And uh, yeah, there are still two years left. And apparently, uh, yes, Dom does want to fight for his place here. And so we'll see if that is the case. But uh, yeah, what do you think? I mean, what's your give a percentage you think that uh, Jurgen Dom is going to be able to, uh, you know, move out from LA United? very little like five percent like <laughs> when the news when the rumor first came up what was it last week or whatever and i <laughs> i tweeted out bocanegra in if he actually pulls it off it was in jest because i knew he wouldn't be able to pull it off like he's being paid a seven figure salary literally nobody in their right mind is going to pay jürgen dom that salary and jürgen dom has no reason to leave money on the table. He just doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, why would why would he take a pay cut to to play more somewhere else? Like, I understand why, you know, people. 
I guess have the mentality that like you know you should want to play more than get paid or whatever. But like this is a career, man, and he mean that he may never see that contract again because he probably shouldn't have never seen that contract to begin with. So yeah, we probably just, bid against ourselves. Uh, like there. I don't really don't understand how this happened. Like you just go back in time. Like how how are we stuck with this? When what on a four year deal, right? Because you signed in twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, we, we had to have bid against ourselves. It, it just doesn't make any sense. But uh, he was a free agent. He, like he wasn't in football. Yeah, like it's uh, it's very very odd. Um, it seems like yeah, you know maybe some other factors were at play and uh, maybe something that we'll never know. But yep, uh, yeah, I put that percentage pretty low too. I don't know about five percent, but uh, I think if we buy him out, yeah. You know, that's and thing. that's a, yeah, that's a maybe like 20% chance to me, like if we buy him out. Um, and I think we should, to be honest. I, th I think we should. I mean, like um, the only thing, the only, you know, obviously like there's all the cap rules. We don't know, as I don't know what, how a buyout would affect like the cap this season or what, but yeah, if there's no penalty for buying him out. Just buy him out. I mean, what's the point of keeping him around? I don't know. Yeah, man. yeah. we could take the hit because obviously, yeah, in that sense, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Arthur Blank uh, is going to shell out the checkbook most years, so it's not really going to be too big of an issue. But anyway, uh, moving on from that, uh, Miguel Miron and his wife, uh, they posted a uh, just freaking adorable photo of he and his mini Miggy. I mean, it's uh, it's he looks almost exactly like them. It's uh, there's no doubt it's their child, and uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things where it just blew up the internet when they, they posted it because it's just like, uh, of wow. I mean, they uh, they couldn't have produced a kid that uh, you know, just looks more like them, but uh. You know, the smile, exactly like Miggy. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's wild. But, uh, you know, and there were cries for, uh, not cries, but, you know, people advocating that uh, we sign him up already. Try to uh, get him uh, in the academy already. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go, let's go. But, uh, but anyway, uh, that does it for the news and a special uh, end of year segment. Uh, we are going to talk. The 2021 season awards uh, will go through MVP, attacker, defender, and young player of the year. That's uh, under 23. And uh, so let's go in that reverse order. All right. Okay. Let's keep it. Uh, let's keep that, uh, you know, kind of interesting here. But young player of the year who's uh, under 23, who's your pick? Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to look past Santiago Sosa. I mean, yeah, he came right in. Um, you know, he was a stalwart in the middle. Uh, he played way more minutes than he'd ever had in his career before, uh, which is another reason why I think the Ozil Alonso signing is is probably a smart one. And uh, yeah, I mean, when he was in there, he was he was pretty immense. You know, um, I think certainly uh, probably as uh, fatigue set in, he's you know his effect. Uh, kind of wore off as the season went on, um, and it's understandable. Uh, but I thought he was, yeah, for you know, 
we've seen moving from a different league from a different country how difficult that has been for other players and for him to come in and uh basically cement himself right away and show his quality really from day one yeah santiago yeah that's uh that's an absolutely great shout and uh i completely agree i think uh you know someone that technically does kind of lie into that uh category is an ezekiel barco uh, and so, you know, with seven goals and eight assists, uh, kind of, a, you know, more of a breakout year in a sense uh, than he usually produces. So uh, definitely he would get a shout. But yeah, I agree with you. Santiago Sosa uh, is that guy for the young player of the year uh, defender. That's, uh, you know, not not too easy here either in a way uh, as our backline was pretty solid. Who are you picking? Uh, again, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair what you said, but it's hard to look past Miles. I mean, he just um, even if we're strictly talking about Lee United and not what he did for country, which was also, you know, he was immense for the U.S. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just thankfully there weren't too many games without him. But when he wasn't there, it was noticeable. And, you know, I think also you saw improvements in his game. Uh, you know, especially uh, playing that right center back role, making those long passes, diagonals. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, like, you're just seeing the evolution of his game. And, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth as to whether I want him to be like a franchise player and spend his whole career here or, you know, whether um, he should go on to Europe and, um, you know, continue on that way. I mean, I think... I think he has the potential. Um, you know, he is, of course, getting up there in age a little bit. Uh, but, no, great season. Great season. Yeah. I mean, he's 24. I mean, it's, you know, definitely one of those things where, uh, yeah, this was, uh, you know, kind of a banner year for Miles Robinson, not only with the U.S. Men's National Team, but uh, scored his first goal for LA United. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, definite big shouts for George Bello, who had uh, a really, really solid year, as well as uh, Brooks Lennon, who, uh, you know, solidified that right-back spot. Um, and then also Alan Franco, who, uh, you know, Maybe initially yeah. in the uh, 2021 season, uh, didn't start off, uh, you know, gangbusters, but definitely right. became a solid part of that back line where he became really reliable. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, he definitely, you know, I think it was really refreshing to not see our back line just be yellow card machines. You know, it, uh, you know, while he's kind of maybe. Um, a rash tackle in him here and there. It definitely was not like an LGP or Franco Escobar level. Um, right. So, yeah, no, fully agree with you. Miles Robinson is the guy there. Uh, now, attacker of the year, uh, you know, there could be uh, some shouts here uh, for a few players, uh, but who have you gone with? So uh, I'll just say, uh, without giving away too much, I'm not going to have any repeat answers on this. So yeah. uh, my attacker of the year is Joseph, uh, because, you know, I mean, leading goal scorer um, and even, you know, with everything he was battling uh, personally, um, again, it was just immense and the effect uh, he had on the team. 
was noticeable when he wasn't there. Yeah, and uh, it's it's not a lot of strikers actually have that effect on a team, have that influence on a team. You know, like you see a lot of strikers that are almost disconnected uh, from the play and they're just waiting to to score. But uh, Joseph does so much more than that. And and when he is up there, uh, being that focal point, I mean, it just it makes I think everybody else's job easier. And so, uh, yeah, once again, Joseph coming back from ACL injury to you know I think have that goal cut type of uh, goal scoring year you know like it wouldn't it obviously it's not anything close to what he's done before uh but again with everything he battled immense immense effort this season yeah no fully uh fully agree there uh although yeah i give uh some shout outs i think to uh not only ezekiel barco again but uh it's not really the full season but I think you could see the impact uh, definitely when Luis Araujo came in. Uh, definitely sure. changed the side. Uh, you know, pretty much it made both wings essentially very, very, uh, very dangerous. And something that, um, you know, maybe the cohesion maybe wasn't quite there uh, collectively as a team. But uh, definitely, you know, having that outlet, having that guy who could break down sides like uh Aruju did um you know he's that kind of guy that i think uh once he got into the side we looked a ton better we looked like a team that could beat anybody on the day uh and so, so you know definitely uh something that uh there's more to come from uh, a player like him but all right i mean so, uh uh-huh, go ahead no so just real quick i mean for him to come in uh mid-season and have that immediate impact you know it's and yeah from day one you saw the difference the influence that he had so yeah and i think that's a pretty solid shot as well yeah and uh so now to mvp and uh yeah this could be anybody uh it could be you know goalkeeper could be defender attacker uh you know it uh there's some players that could have a good shout uh, you know, Guzan, solid all season, maybe a top five goalkeeper in the league. Uh, you know, with Miles Robinson as well there. I know you're already pretty much uh, spoiled that you won't be repeating your answers. Uh, but, uh, and also, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Ezekiel Barco, Joseph Martinez, Marcelo Moreno. There could be, you know, a number of guys that, uh, you know, kind of held it down all season. Who have you decided sure. to go with? Yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's because Miles, I think, would be a fair candidate for MVP. Joseph is always a candidate for MVP. But I think for me, Marcelino Moreno uh, was Atlanta's most valuable player because of his consistency. Just game, I think, like, at the very beginning of the season, um, it was kind of like uh, what we were seeing last season. We weren't sure what to expect from him. But I think, uh, especially starting with that Montreal game, and then from then on, it was just consistency, you know, like uh, a little bit Miggy-esque, a little bit Nagby-esque in terms of, uh, you know, his work rate in the middle of the park, um, on the counterattack, you know, dribbling at, at players. Um, then I'll never, I, I have a picture of it, of the stat that they showed at the, at the bends of, we were at in uh, one of the fall games, but uh, leads Atlanta in expected goals and expected assists. Like that blew that blew my mind. And he finished the season second in goals and second in assists. And so, um, yeah, I just think that uh, 
he ended up being quite influential to um, Atlanta being a fifth seed um, and yeah I mean like pretty being decent I mean obviously you know the season didn't end how we wanted it to but we were certainly improved uh, halfway through the season I think he was a big part of that yeah definitely and uh, fully agree there that he uh, you know as a player he uh, was noticeable when he was not in the side uh, and especially if he was on the bench it would be like you know uh, pretty much fans clamoring for him to come on because uh, you know you could notice that uh, you know we didn't have control in the middle of the pitch or we didn't have that outlet on the left side sometimes uh, or just someone that's willing to be direct and uh, you know try to make something happen out of nothing and it really was at times uh, some individual skill that uh, you know Marcelino Moreno uh, you know displayed that was able to uh, maybe get us three points or, you know, uh, solidify a lead. I mean, it was definitely something that uh, he was a guy that, uh, you know, as he ran and as he ticked, we did as well. Um, yeah, I it's hard to dispute, man. Like, uh, it's Moreno for me as well. I mean, you know, Miles Robinson definitely, uh, you know, there were times, though, when he was out of the side and, you know, maybe a George Bellow would step up or Anton Walks uh, as well. You know, obviously he was, uh, you know, kind of stepping up in his steed when uh, Robinson was away on international duty. Uh, so it was definitely like, you know, Moreno had to uh, pretty much uh, kind of carry our attack sometimes. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. I think he... Uh, he deservedly gets that MVP. But what do you guys think? Who are your uh, end of season awards? Uh, yeah, definitely let us know in the comments below. But that pretty much does it for the show, except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, uh, yeah, it's the final Five Stripe Weekly of 2021. And so we want to know, what was your favorite memory of the 2021 season? Let us know in those comments below. And that's it for us today. Thank you guys, everyone, so, so much for uh, tuning in to us all season long. We appreciate you. We love you so, so much. And, yeah, remember to take care of each other. And for Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Oh.